Hello and a very warm welcome to this EU Unpacked Freshfields podcast, the first in a series that will be looking to help clients get to grips with some of the hot policy topics here in Brussels. My name is Natalie Pessinger-Kearney and I'm the head of the firm's EU regulatory and public affairs practice, the team that stays close to the political action at the EU level and delivers tailored advice to clients to try and shape and influence how the rules are made. Today, we will be unpicking what promises to be one of the most transformative pieces of regulation coming out of the EU on sustainability, the proposal for a Corporate Sustainability Due Diligence Directive, or CSDDD, or for those in the know, CSDDD for short. If you're interested in finding out more about this topic, as well as listening to this podcast, you can find further resources on our website, which we will be updating regularly with more insights from around the firm. But for today, I'm very excited to be joined by two colleagues. It's an all-female lineup today who will share some of their key takeaways on the proposal. The first is Léa Barré, Principal Consultant and the Sustainability Lead in our Public Affairs team here in Brussels. Very warm welcome to you, Léa. And next up is Marlene Vespogreska, Principal Associate in our Corporate and Compliance Practice, who focuses on ESG topics. So let's kick things off for today. Leia, I think it would be really great if you could perhaps tell us a bit more about the CSDDD proposal and really how it came to be on the negotiating table um, right now. Thanks very much, Natalie, for the warm introduction. So about a year ago, the European Commission presented a far-reaching legislative proposal which obliges large companies, no matter where they are headquartered nor which sectors they are active in, to conduct due diligence in order to prevent, mitigate and account for actual and potential adverse impacts on human rights and the environment along global supply chains. So basically, this proposal imposes due diligence reporting obligations on both EU and non-EU companies above a certain turnover and above a certain employee threshold across sectors. So basically, companies must integrate due diligence into all corporate policies and publish this annually. And they should also take suitable measures to address actual or potential adverse human rights and environmental impacts. And what's more and what's particularly interesting is that this proposal also includes specific provisions on directors' duties meaning that for their management decisions, directors would have to take into account the consequences of sustainability matters, including human rights and climate change. And so politically, the Commission basically explained that this proposal was an answer to regular and frequent demand from civil society worldwide who were particularly mobilized against claims of human rights abused and uh, forced labors uh, originating in some third countries. So in this respect, it's of course no surprise that uh, this proposal has a strong extraterritorial angle. But the proposal besides that also fits squarely within the European Green Deal and the EU ambitions to become the global regulatory trendsetter on, on sustainability. So in short, the CSDDD will move from a system of, you know, voluntary due diligence schemes that some companies already had in place, typically based on UN or on OECD guidelines, to a harmonized mandatory system that will, for the first time, lead to a common EU approach. So instead of having a hotspot of, you know, several different national initiatives, we will have one common harmonized EU system. 
Right. So it sounds like the commission has published something that's really pretty far-reaching, and that's almost a year ago now, if I remember correctly. So in in all that time, what's sort of been happening in the meantime, and and where are we in terms of adoption and what we might expect going forward? Yes, indeed. Good point. So this proposal is is basically going through the usual legislative process in, in Brussels. So it has already been examined by the member states in the EU Council, and the member states agreed to make a number of amendments to the initial proposal by the European Commission. Among these amendments, one of the most important ones is the fact that they want to limit the scope. So basically, financial undertakings would be left outside the obligations, but there would be an opt-in clause uh, for member states who still want to impose due diligence obligations on them. And another crucial amendment made by the member states is in relation to this concept of value chain. So they have replaced this concept by the concept of chain of activities, which basically puts the focus much more on the upstream level of activities and not so much on the downstream. Uh, so this is where we are in the in the council at the level of the member states. In the European Parliament, negotiations are much slower. This is notably due to the fact that nine committees have decided to work jointly on this proposal. This is very unusual, but it also shows how important this proposal, this due diligence piece is politically. Currently, the lead committee in the European Parliament is looking to beef up the Commission proposal. So unlike the Council, they would like to extend the scope to have more companies covered, including the financial sector. And a point that is important as well for for some members of the European Parliament is to ensure that directors' duties remain a part of the new due diligence framework. So besides the need to find an agreement between nine committees, which is already difficult, what makes it even more difficult is that there is a strong political divide on this file. So you have, on the one hand, the more industry-friendly MEPs, which are keen to preserve the competitiveness of EU enterprises who don't want to add too much burden at a time where companies face multiple problems, multiple crises. And on the other end of the political spectrum, you have political groups that want to maintain pressure on companies as much as possible to ensure that they do due diligence and that the the requirements are, are really tough. So this file is also quite relevant in light of the upcoming European Parliament elections that will take place next year in the spring, where we expect topics like, you know, uh, human rights, protecting the environment to remain very high on on the agenda. So the discussions continue in the Parliament to to find a deal and they should conclude in in a few months, hopefully. That's really helpful scene setting, Leia. It it would be really good to bring you, Marlene, in now. Perhaps you could shed a bit of light for listeners on some of the key impacts that the proposal will have. We know from what Leia said that it will capture EU as well as non-EU companies, but what from your perspective or what you're hearing from clients, what do you think in particular non-EU multinationals should be looking out for in this proposal? With respect to ESG legislation, just general remark, by the EU now, we see actually that the EU wants to treat these global ESG topics, wants to treat these topics globally. So we see several new proposals and laws that are not only addressed at EU companies, but also to non-EU companies, provided that they generate a a certain turnover in the EU. So a non-EU company will only be within the scope of the CSDDD if it meets a specific turnover threshold based on its own turnover. So, so far, it seems that uh, with the proposal that we have right now, 
that consolidation of turnovers at a group level, for example, is not taken into account. So if that non-EU company falls within the scope of the directive, it will be required to carry out due diligence in its own operations, in its value chain, but also in all of its controlled subsidiaries, regardless of whether these are these subsidiaries are itself EU or non-EU companies and would themselves fall under the scope of the directive. So generally, the imposed obligations are the same for EU and non-EU companies. Yet, as regards the duty of directors to encompass sustainability matters, will only apply to EU companies and not to non-EU companies. Right. Okay. And what about companies that are active in a particular or a specific sector, for example, mining or oil and gas, for example? Are there any particular rules that would apply to them? Yeah, we would have to differentiate here. So there are different rules with respect to the applicability of the directive itself and with regard to the duties imposed under the directive. So generally, all sectors, no matter what, are captured by the original Commission's proposal. Yet, as regards smaller companies, such would only fall under the scope of the CSDDD if they operate in specific high-risk sectors, which are defined quite broadly under the directive, um, such as agriculture, food, forestry, textiles, and mining. So yes, to a certain extent, the sector is relevant. And also, as Leah mentioned, there are discussions now whether the financial sector in total or specific institutions should be excluded from the scope of application. As some policymakers argue that these companies already fall under several ESG regulations, though they are mainly on disclosure and reporting, and that the financial sector companies do not have a traditional supply chain like the industry sector, for example. Which leads us actually, actually to the second point. Also, generally, the duties imposed on companies are the same, no matter which sector they belong to. Yet, with the exception of the financial sector again, the original proposal by the Commission stipulates less strict duties for the financial sector. An example is the risk analysis. In general, this is a continuing task and needs to be updated regularly. Yet for the financial institutions, it suffices under the directive to carry out the risk analysis only prior to providing the loans or other financial services. So yeah, there are some differences. Okay, that's that's really interesting. A question that we're getting a lot right now from clients is, if I am a pension fund, an asset manager or an insurance company and invest or insure an energy company, for example, how far along the value chain do I have to undertake due diligence? For example, if the company I insure doesn't respect its environmental commitments, what are the risks for me as its insurer? And the same question would apply if it's an investee company of mine, for example. So how would that work? Yeah, this question leads us to a central definition, essentially, of supply chain or rather value chain as it is uh, phrased under the directive. Value chain by the original proposal by the Commission means all activities related to the production of goods or the provision of services by a company, including related activities of upstream and downstream relationships. Direct and indirect suppliers are included. But as we also learned from Leah beforehand, the upstream and downstream relationships are very much in debate at the moment. So we will have to wait until we have further clarity on the specific length of the supply chain. But as regards the financial sector that you asked about, the value chain as it is now under the proposal shall only include the activities of the clients receiving such loan or credit and of other companies belonging to the same group whose activities are directly linked to the contract in question. Additionally, small and medium-sized enterprises would be completely out of scope for the value chain of financial institutions. So for the financial sector, the value chain is much shorter 
and usually only comprises the direct recipient of the financial service. In your example of non-compliance by the investing company, this would be a concern under the directive for the investor, yes. But for example, the obligation of companies under the directive to bring such adverse impacts to an end is adapted for the financial sector again, which means in the specific example, the investor would not be required to eventually terminate its investment contract if determination itself is expected to cause substantial harm to the investee. However, it should be noted at this point here as well that we talk a lot about the value chain, actually, when we talk about the CSDDD and other supply chain laws, which is slightly misleading as it is equally important to have the internal risk and governance frameworks in place. So all of these internal compliance measures, which only address my own operations, are equally important under the CSDDD. That's a good point to to underline, Marlene. And if I can ask another question, um, a key question for me really is if a company already has due diligence programs in place, for example, if I'm using OECD guidelines, what, if anything, does this directive really change? So if companies already, if they are already conducting due diligence in accordance with previous soft law standards, what the OECD guidelines for multinational enterprises are, or the UNGP, so UN Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, they are already well prepared. As of course, like the national laws, national supply chain laws, also the CSDDD builds on these well-known standards. Yet a proper gap analysis will always be required to assess which specific elements are already addressed in your frameworks and which are not. So in particular, that might be the case for the mentioned internal governance and compliance structures that you need to check whether they are aligned with the new requirements. Interestingly, some of the national supply chain laws at the moment, as in Switzerland, for example, explicitly acknowledge proof of adherence to such international standards as the OECD guidelines. But anyways, uh, you also asked for the big change. A big change for such companies will be that the CSDDD will be hard law. And when transposed into domestic law of the EU member states, there will also be a public enforcement mechanism, which mainly concerns the imposition of administrative fines. And there will be a new civil liability regime regarding non-compliance of business partners along the value chain if the harm could have been prevented by the obliged entity by way of adequate due diligence procedures that are in accordance with the CSDDD. And if a company is already subject to other sectoral due diligence requirements, for example, there are existing measures around um, conflict minerals, there's a newly agreed deforestation regulation, um, how does that interplay then with this new CSDDD proposal? I think companies should align their compliance efforts under these different supply chain directives and regulations as they have similar requirements. So they can use synergy effects of different departments that are probably already coping with these challenges. Yet so far, what does not seem to be possible to align is the reporting regimes under these regulations. All of these new laws require not only due diligence by the companies, but also regular reporting on the company's efforts and programs in place. Therefore, annual reporting will become a fairly comprehensive task for them. Not last when thinking of the new CSRD, Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive on Sustainability Reporting, but also the CSDDD has a reporting component to it. But at least the CSDDD and the CSRD are aligned in so far that companies reporting under the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive will be exempted from reporting under the CSDDD. Thanks, Marlene. That that gives me at least a lot of food for thought. Hopefully our listeners also have a better grasp 
and some insight into some of these far-reaching effects that this proposal will bring. Um, but in terms of next steps, Leia, if I could turn to you, maybe you can give us an idea of the timeline so we know when to expect what and when we really need to be paying attention to how this moves along in the legislative process. So the parliament should adopt its final position in May. And soon after that, we will see informal negotiations commencing between the Council and the Parliament, but also with the participation of the European Commission. And they will really try and, and agree on a final text, which will become the, the final law. This process should take us until the end of this year, for sure, possibly even into early 2024. And once agreed, the new due diligence obligations are likely to start applying in 2025 or 2026 at the earliest. Uh, that may seem like a, a long way off, but companies will need to, to start compliance well ahead of time because uh, an unprecedented amount of information will need to be, to be collected. And we also expect some member states to enforce the new regime really from the get-go, especially those who already have similar rules in place now. So what this means for companies is that there is still some time to make your voice heard on this issue, and our team can help you engage with the relevant stakeholders at EU level in, in this respect. But the new rules will be in force very shortly, actually. Great. That's all clear. And I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this first Freshfields EU Unpacked podcast. Thank you so much to Leia and Marlene for giving their time and sharing some of their insights and, and things they've been picking up from clients. I hope you enjoyed the session. I certainly learned a few things along the way, and I hope you'll tune into future episodes that will bring you closer to where the action is here in Brussels. So thank you very much and see you next time.